Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Okay, I'm going to welcome Neil up, or invite him up, and welcome him. Right, let's just pray for Neil before he... uh begins to speak. So Father, we just pray now you're anointing upon Neil. We ask you to speak right through him into our hearts. We thank you that your word is living and active. Lord, And we pray it be living and active to us this morning. Pray you'll change our hearts and change our minds where we need changing. Pray you'll encourage us and strengthen us where we need that. God, I pray that you will, uh, Lord, just meet with us through your word right now and as Neil speaks. So just be on him. Pray, give him f- confidence, Lord, in what you've given him to share. That, Lord, he just shares it with courage, Lord, and with faith to us that we receive and we're fed this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great to be with you again this morning. And um, you have no idea how difficult it is not to sing. It is painful. I keep singing and then thinking I mustn't sing and walking around it's just I cannot wait for us to be back together where we can worship and praise God together and sing together it will be so good Um, I want to carry on really from where Phil left off last week Phil um, preached on grace which was a really really fantastic preach and if you haven't listened to it please go to the website um, just find talks and you can listen to Phil's preach from last week and it is really excellent Um, it's normally me that speaks on grace so to hear Phil bring it was just so refreshing and it blessed me so much Uh, my heart was just so full of God's grace and uh, how much God has done for us and uh, I I just felt God wanted me to speak this week um, continuing really on grace and how amazing God's grace is to us and for us but also to answer the question that many people say is which is that if God's grace is there all the time, does that mean that we can just carry on sinning because God's grace is available for all those sins that we commit? So is it a license, if you like, to sin? I think there's an answer that we need to to look at in that as well. So I just want to do that today. Um, I had that on Sunday straight after Phil's preached, and I thought that's what I want to preach on. And um, I started to... um, just think about things in my mind. And then I went to group on Monday night. And um, Jules and Vanessa had come uh, and said to us they wanted to bring something to group. So we said, that's fine, come and share it with us. And um, basically, Jules and Vanessa sometimes struggle with receiving God's grace and his favour. And they, they kind of want to work for God's grace. And so uh, we've had many discussions about that over the years and uh, many kind of, not arguments, but, you know, discussions, shall we say. And um, so they came to group and Vanessa just said that God had spoken to her so clearly. And it's such a brilliant story that I have to share it with you. I've got permission. So basically what happened was that Vanessa went to Tesco's where her son works And uh, if you go to Tesco's in the last, I think it's half an hour, you can go and buy these goods that they have that are available. And uh, you can buy these goods. And what you do is you put them on your trolley and you go to the counter, the checkout. And at the checkout, they ring in all these goods. And so it comes up on the till and it tells you how much 
they are. And the prices are coming up, and it's £30, and it's £35, and it's £40. And then at the end, they press another button, and it goes from £35 or £40 to zero. And at that moment, God said to Vanessa, that is what my grace is all about. And it was such a brilliant story in the moment, in just something so practical, just a normal something in our lives, that God came and spoke to Vanessa. And that day, I had actually printed off this um, thing from Francis Chan, which I believe Sarah is going to put up on the screen. Sarah's put up, got a thumbs up. So I had printed this off on the Monday. Um, and so I took it to group and I showed it to Vanessa and she couldn't believe it. And this is so important for us to learn and understand, is moving God's grace from an intellectual understanding of what God's grace is to something that is in your heart where you accept it and you know it 100%. And sometimes a visual representation just shows us what God has done for us. And this uh, says, salvation, Jesus paid for it all. Sin, paid. Shame, paid. Regret, paid. Past mistakes, paid. Unforgiveness, paid. Hurt, paid. Anger, paid. Debt, paid. Change, zero. Grand total, zero. God has paid it all. And that's so important for us to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid everything for us. He didn't part pay for your sin. He didn't part pay it. He fully paid it once and for all. Once and for all. This is paid. And our problem is that so often we go back and we try to pay God back or we try to do something that we think is going to get God's favour in our lives, somehow he's going to love us a bit more if we read our Bible more, or we pray more, or we do more for God. And he says, you have to understand, I have paid everything. It is paid. The invoice has a stamp on it, and that stamp says, paid. Your sin is paid fully, 100%. Hallelujah. This is grace paid in full and the enemy will come and tell you that it's not paid in full and that you've let God down and somehow God loves you a bit less and you have to come against the enemy with truth and the truth is that God has paid it all Jesus on the cross took all your sin and shame he took it all he took what's in the past he took what you're going to sin today and he's going to take what you're going to sin tomorrow and next week he's paid it all hallelujah Jesus paid it all. And what I want us to do is to get, not have a, a mental understanding that that's the case, but actually that it comes down into our heart and we know what God has done. And we accept it in our hearts that God loves us and his grace is for us continuously. Hallelujah. There's a great book by um, Terry Bridges called The Discipline of Grace. And he says this, God's grace in Christ is greater than our sin, even on our worst days. God's grace in Christ is greater than our sin, even on our worst days. Hallelujah. God's grace covers your worst days just as it covers your best days. 
And whether we have best days or worst days, God's love and his grace stay the same. He doesn't love you any less because you have a bad day or a bad week. He loves you the same. Hallelujah. We even sing about it. We haven't sung it this morning, but what a beautiful name. It's a great song by Hillsongs. And it says in there, my sin was great, but your love was greater. Hallelujah. We believe that, don't we? My sin was great, yes, but Jesus' love is greater than all of my sin. Hallelujah. We need God's grace in all our lives all the time because we're all sinners. God didn't come to save those who are well. He came to save those who are sick. And what are we sick with? We're sick with sin. If you turn to Mark 2, verse 17, it says, "Healthy." this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and he says to them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. It's like when I spoke about Nathaniel coming to see Jesus. He suddenly said to Jesus, it's all about sin, isn't it? And it is all about sin. That Jesus came to save sinners. He came to forgive your sin once and for all by his death on the cross. Hallelujah. You see, God is 100% holy. So if you're 1% sin in your life, that breaks your relationship with God. And that is what we want to get back to, is a perfect relationship with Jesus. But we're sinners. We're sinners in our nature. And so we have to come back to God and call on his grace and mercy the whole time. We constantly want to try and make ourselves better, do more. We can come under huge condemnation. If you read your Bible... No matter how long you read it for, if you read it for 20 minutes, the enemy will come and say to you, well, you could have read it for 40 minutes. If you pray for 10 minutes, the enemy will come and say, you could have prayed for 20 minutes. But that's not the point, because if you pray longer or you read your Bible more or you do this, that and the other, God doesn't love you any more or any less. He loves you full stop. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He loves you and he loves you and he loves you. And that's what grace is all about. You see, the thing with us is we're very prone to comparing ourselves to other people. So what happens is we say, well, I know I'm not 100% God because I can't be. The only person that was ever 100% was Jesus. But maybe I'm 60%. Or maybe I'm 50%. Or maybe I'm 25%. But actually... I'm better than that person who is 10%. Because I go to church on Sunday, I worship you, I do read my Bible, I do pray to you, and I'm sure I must be about 50%. But I'm better than other people. And that is such a wrong way of thinking. What we're doing is we're looking at each other's failure and saying, well, I'm a better failure than you are. (laughs) What is the point in that? It's like when a premiership manager gets sacked and then they pay him for the rest of the season even though he was rubbish. You're paying for failure. And we compare ourselves with other people and think, well, I'm better than them. Listen, we're comparing failure against failure. Jesus came so you don't have to compare yourself because you are 100% righteous in front of God because of Jesus, 
not because of you or anything you do. Jesus came and he gave you robes of righteousness which make you righteous before God. So he doesn't look at you. He looks at Jesus. And he says, I am well pleased. I am well pleased with Jesus. Because he took your sin and nailed it to the cross. Hallelujah. We have to be careful that we're not like the Pharisees in the New Testament. In Luke, Jesus talks about the parable of the two men who prayed. Luke chapter 18 says this. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, it's about heart attitude. The Pharisee could keep the law, he did fast. He did give lots of money. He could pray. He could be in the temple. He could do all the things that looked okay, but actually his heart was full of pride. And Jesus, that's what he constantly brought them back to, was what is in your heart? What is in your heart? Do you love me? That's what he said to the disciples, wasn't it? Do you love me? You follow me, but do you love me? Three times said it to Simon Peter. Do you love me? And so that's what Jesus wants. He wants that relationship with us where he says, don't do what looks okay. I see past all that. I can see into your heart. It says in the Bible that he knows the intentions of our heart. Nobody else does, but God does. He knows those little jealousies. He knows those feelings that you have that even you are ashamed of. We all have them because we're all sinners and we live in a fallen world. Don't let pride come in. Titus 3 verse 5, we don't quote from Titus very often, a little tiny book in the Bible, but it's fab. It says, when God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Hallelujah. Jesus came and saved you not because of what you had done or not because of what you were going to do in the future. He came out of his grace and mercy and saved you and drew you to himself. He doesn't say, get your life sorted out and then come to me. Hallelujah. He says, I'll take you as you are, whatever mess you're in, whatever mess you have made of your life, I'll take that and I will start to change it and work on you and save you and show you my grace and show you my mercy and show you my amazing love. And that way, 
it breaks our heart. And as we begin to understand how great God's grace and mercy is, our heart can say it's not fair. And as you say that, we begin to understand that's what grace is. It's not fair. Because God gave his only son to die for you. That you can stand in his presence. We were praying in the prayer meeting and Keith mentioned those two words, but God. And uh, you know if you attend here regularly, my favourite chapter in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2, where it has this great um, picture of God's grace and his mercy to us. And he says, once you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now God, who is rich, that's where rich, rich chocolate cake comes from. God who is rich in mercy, hallelujah. Are you glad that God is rich in mercy this morning? I am. He just doesn't have enough mercy just about to get you over the line. He says, no, no, no. This God is rich in mercy. He has enough for you yesterday, enough for you today, enough for you tomorrow and next week. He's rich in mercy. We come to a God who is rich in mercy. But you know, at the end of that verse, in brackets, it says, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Why does Paul put that in there? He puts it in there because he knows that if there was 1% that we could do for our salvation, we would take pride in that. And the pride of our hearts would say, well, God chose me because I'm a one percenter or a two percenter. Maybe I'm a five percenter. He says, no, you are a zero percent. You were dead, but I have come and made you alive. Hallelujah. This is our God and this is his grace. Jeff Bridges says in the book I was mentioning earlier, he says, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need for God's grace. I love that quote, it's brilliant. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need for God's grace. His grace is amazing. His grace is for us all. So, can we just carry on sinning because God's grace is so rich, because God's grace is amazing? Do we just carry on singing? Well, sinning. Well, Paul answers this in Romans chapter 6, chapter 5 and the 6, are great chapters about this, but just a few verses. He says in this, uh, in chapter 6, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realise that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to a righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. So Paul uses this picture of slaves to, to help us in our understanding about why we don't carry on sinning in the way that we did before. Basically, he says, first of all, you're a slave. So 
Before you become a Christian, you are a slave to sin. So if you're a slave, you have to follow your master. So your master calls you over here. Sin says, come over here. Come over here. Let's do this. Sin is your master. You're a slave to sin. You follow sin because sin is your master. But then Jesus comes and he pays the price for you to no longer be a slave. In Roman times, if you were made free, then there was a price to pay. The price was paid, you were a free man. You could then become someone else's slave. So Jesus comes and he pays the price and he says, no longer are you a slave to sin. Sin pulls you this way. Now you're a slave to righteousness. He pulls you this way. Righteousness now calls you and says, come over here. Let's do this. Let's worship. Let's, let's bless God. Let's go to church today. And sin is over here and it's saying, no, no, you don't need to go to church today. Come over here, let's go. Let's go down the pub if it's open. Let's go and down the gym, let's do all these things. And righteousness says, no, you want to be with your brothers and sisters. Come on, you're coming over here. But no longer are you a slave to sin. It has no power over you anymore. You're now a slave to righteousness. Hallelujah. There's no excuse not to come to church anymore. God takes our heart of stone and starts to change it into a heart of flesh. He has relationship with us. That's what's so different. The law, you see, is external to us. The law says, and this is a very sore point at the moment, the law says on the motorway you must only do 70 miles an hour. That is the law. Now, it's no good you being stopped and saying to the policeman, yeah, but I was late for my meeting, or I got held up. That's immaterial. The law says it's 70. You were doing 87. (sighs) Not that this is me, of course. (laughs) You have broken the law. I don't care what your excuse is. It doesn't matter even if your wife is on the back seat and she's having a deal. You've broken the law. There's no leeway. No leeway at all. But grace comes and it's about a relationship with God. It's similar with being married, you see. Married on the marriage day and you have a relationship with your wife. Now, you could, after you got married, say, that's it. I'm married. I'm putting my feet up. Everything's okay, just carry on. I'm just going to live my life exactly the same way as I always have done, but I'm married. Now that marriage is not going to last very long because it's about relationship, your relationship with your wife and how you work together, how you do things together. See, same thing being becoming a Christian. When you become a Christian, it's about a relationship with God. You don't suddenly put your feet up and just say, well, it's okay. I can rely on God's grace now. All my sins are covered by God's grace. That's it. I can do what I want. No, why not? Because it's about relationship. When, what happens when you sin? When you sin, you break your relationship with God. And that hurts. It's painful. You want to come back and get it sorted out straight away. Because it's about your relationship with Jesus. He's not interested in what you do. He's interested in what is in your heart. Do you love me? You know, when we're not right with God, it's hard to say, I love you. 
Same with your wife. You have a big row with your wife. Get it sorted out quickly. Come back together. Tell each other you love her. When did you last tell your wife that you love her? Make sure you do it today. When did you last tell Jesus that you love him? We do it through worship, don't we? We love you, Lord. As we worship, the Holy Spirit rises within us and we we declare we love you, Jesus. But tell him. You know, sometimes you can go up to your wife and you can just put your arms around her and say, I really love you. That is special. Special for Jesus too. Unexpectedly, somewhere, you just suddenly say to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I really love you. That's what relationship is all about. His grace and his favour we receive. But he loves us. And he changes us from inside out. Now the Holy Spirit comes and works in our heart. Galatians chapter 5 tells us the Holy Spirit produces in us fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that we want in our lives. And that's what God has come to do. Um, the day after our group, Vanessa sent me uh, another picture, which I think Sarah's going to put up now. It's up. When grace becomes a person, rather than a doctrine, grace is no longer a license to sin, but the reason you run from it. And that is absolutely true. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. So it's not a doctrine... It's about breaking that relationship with Jesus and getting it back together again. That's what God wants. That's what we need to do. That's why God's grace is not a license to sin. It's a license to give glory and honour to Jesus because he died for you and he gave his life that you might live. We sang the song earlier on, Graves into Gardens, which is a fab song. I've been listening to it for a few weeks and it's awesome And this says this, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all and you still call me friend. Hallelujah. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There is not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing better than you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're with us in the valley. Thank you that you're with us on the mountain, that you are with us every moment of our lives. We thank you that you have enough grace for the valley. You have enough grace for the mountain. And we stand here this morning because of your amazing grace. We love you, Lord. Take us on with you. Teach us these things. Take them from head knowledge to heart knowledge that we may know your love in a new way even this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.